0: This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, we examine some questions that teachers may face, and we give some teaching tips along the way. This winter, we are diving into the first 19 chapters of Genesis. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm with Gia Thornburg and Dwayne McCreary. If you were listening last week, they were uh, the guest hosts for session two, and so they are back for another week, and we're glad to have them. Gia serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. She also leads a Bible study at her church using Explore the Bible, and she always just brings uh, wise insight to our uh, discussion. So Gia, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Amber. Uh, We also have with us Dwayne McQuarrie, which many of you may recognize. He was the Explore the Bible team leader for many, many years, and the podcast host for a lot of that as well. And he now leads all of LifeWay's ongoing Bible studies for adults. Uh, So that includes Explore the Bible, but also Bible studies for life and the Gospel Project. He also leads a Bible study at his church. He leads two, if you have not heard this information, (laughs) he leads an adult Bible study, and then he also leads a four-year-old Bible study. Um, so he is, he is a wonderful servant to his church on Sunday mornings uh, and to the kingdom. So Dwayne, thank you for being here.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad I'm being able to be back this week.
0: Yes, we're glad to have you. Uh, today we're looking at session three. Uh, we'll be discussing Genesis chapter three, verses one through seven and verses 21 through 24. So each week we begin by looking at the outline just to get an overview of what's happening in these verses. Uh, so I'll begin there, and then we will uh, go into some questions that either you may have or that you may be asked of in your in your group time this weekend. Okay, so the first part of our outline we have we have named Tempted, and it's verses one through five of chapter three. Satan in the form of a crafty serpent. Uh, approached Eve to inquire about eating from any tree in the garden. And she responded by identifying the tree in the middle of the garden as being forbidden from eating and touching. The serpent then questioned the consequences of partaking from the tree, explaining that she would not die, but would rather, but would rather become like God. The serpent also cast doubt on God's motives for not allowing the woman and the man to eat from the tree. She examined the fruit on the forbidden tree, delighted by the potential that the fruit would make one wise. She took fruit from the tree, she ate it, and she shared it with her husband, who also ate from the forbidden tree, and they immediately became aware of their nakedness and sewed fig leaves together to make clothing. The third part of our outline is titled, Grace Found, verses 21 through 24. After confronting Adam and Eve about their disobedience, God made suitable clothing for the man and woman from an animal skin. And knowing that the man and woman might also eat from the tree of life and live forever, God sent them out of the garden where they could cultivate the area outside of it. And a cherubim was placed to guard the tree of life. Our overall summary statement for this lesson is this. God's good creation was marred by humanity's sin against him. So this may be, again, another familiar passage um, for your group or for yourself. Uh, but we want to always, you know, really examine it and take a look. And so we have some questions that you may face or be asked of. Uh, our first question is for Gia. What do these verses teach us about how Satan works to tempt humans? So we, we see a few different tactics in these
2: verses um, for how Satan tempts Eve. And if we really analyze them um, and look at them, they're very relatable to us today. So just to kind of go through them a bit first, you know, in verse one, we see him question God um, and manipulate and twist God's words. He says, did God actually say? And right there, he's planting a seed Mm -hmm, of doubt mm -hmm. in Eve right there. He's making her question God's words. Did he actually say? What did he say? Um, She's uncertain. And so she's she's questioning it just as and he's planting that seed of doubt and then he continues from that doubt and focuses on the restriction of god's provision did god actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and he's diminishing god's generousness because god had given adam and eve an entire garden worth of food and told them they could have everything in the garden except for one tree and satan zooms in on that restriction magnetizes it to make it seem as if God is holding out on them. So God's holding Mm -hmm. out on me. That's what Eve is thinking, right? And so once he has her questioning God's words, he just flat out lies. He says, you're not going to die if you eat of this tree, which God had explicitly said would happen. And so God to Eve in this moment seems untrustworthy. Um, His authority is in question, and so is his goodness. And he also in verse five, Satan implies that God is threatened by mankind. Like he just doesn't want you to be like him as if God could ever be threatened by us. Right. Um, and that's untrue of Mm -hmm. his character, what Satan's implying. And ultimately all of these tactics compiled together work because Adam and Eve eat as they are told not to. Right. And so if we look at this, Satan does that to us, too. He makes us question God's words, its truth, and its accuracy, you know. And he does that a lot with the world and what we consume um, in our daily lives, some of which we think is innocent. But over time, that compiled, it starts to manipulate and twist in our minds what we should know is true in scripture. Um, he plants seeds of doubt why didn't I get this promotion? Why didn't I get this spouse or this house? Whatever it might be, does God have my best interest in heart? Um, And we see in this passage specifically that Eve from the start is pretty uncertain what God had said. And so Satan picks up on that immediately and takes advantage of it. He twists God's God's words in a way that sounded right at first, and then led her to destruction. Mm-hmm. And so what we can learn from that is that we are more susceptible to these tactics. We are not immersed in God's word. When we are far from the word and its truth, we are more susceptible to believe these lies. And there's a, a pullout quote in the PSG that I really liked. It's on page 32 and I found it to be really applicable here. Um, 32 of the CSB regular print is what I was looking at. But it says, we open ourselves up to Satan's ploys when we are unclear about or begin to stray away from God's word. And that is why biblical literacy is so important. Knowing the truth of scripture helps us defend against these tactics because Satan is always out there praying on believers, but he picks up on that uncertainty and takes advantage of it. So while it's important for us leaders to know God's word, you know, to teach it um, it's also important so that we can have that as our, defense and can know the truth when we are confronted with lies. And it's also important for us to encourage our group members to do the same.
0: Exactly. That's really, um, that's just a spot on observation about what is happening here because scripture says he is crafty and deceiving. And we know that is absolutely true today too. And so thank you for uh, speaking to that, but also giving that little encouragement, the more that we're in the word, uh, the more able we are to stand firm against that temptation. Okay, so our next question is for Dwayne. Um, where was Adam during the temptation of Eve, and how is his sin different from her sin?
1: Well, that, that's that's a those are two loaded questions in some ways. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'll trade with you, Gia. Um, <laughs> um, first of all, let's think about where Adam was during the temptation. Uh, in in uh, verse six of chapter three, we get a clue. Kinda, where he says, so she took some of the fruit, ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. There are some who have the idea that Adam was right there beside her watching all this. The only problem with that is it doesn't make sense for that to be the case um, when Adam's been given the assignment of guarding the, the garden. And so uh, the, the other part of that is who was with her can mean he was also in the garden, That she went and found him so the way it's worded it's not as obvious as you might think Um, you know you could spend all your time dealing with that question maybe he's over here maybe he's preoccupied all kinds of things there are other questions that are raised during this event you know how long of time uh, has has passed is this day 8 is this day 38 of creation how soon after creation did this happen We don't know the answer to that question. Uh, We really don't know uh, where Adam was when the conversation with the serpent was going on. Uh, Just because the way the wording is done here, it's kind of ambiguous. So we can spend our time debating on those things and miss the bigger point, which was that man sinned. Um, And by man, I mean that generically Mm -hmm. humans (laughs) sinned. Um, which the second half of your question is, how was their sin different? How was Adam's sin different than Eve's? Uh, we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, that Eve was deceived. So there's some deception that's involved with Eve that seems to point to a little something different for Adam in this, this scenario. Uh, she was, was deceived, but he was not, would be the inference there. Uh, The idea would be that he willfully decided to uh, take this uh, this, uh, piece of fruit knowing that it would be a direct um, disobedience of God. Um, She was deceived in those kind of things. And there's all kinds of theological arguments and discussions made based on that idea one way or the other. other. Um, Ultimately, both of them were disobedient and did not listen to either God or the person who was placed over authority uh, over that person. Either way you look at it, no matter how you you take other views of it. Uh, What I would focus on, is opposed to how their sin was different, how their sin was the same. Both sinned. um, Both deserved discipline. Um. All sin is equal. There's not a greater sin or a lesser sin. It's all sin. Uh, There's no degree of sin. Uh, Like I'd already mentioned, both um, at some point willfully made a decision to take this approach, to either disobey what Adam had said or disobey what God had said. Um, There is some sense that Adam is not just... Disobeying God, but he's also disobeyed uh, in the sense that he was told to guard the garden, to watch the garden. How did the serpent get in there, and how did Satan get in there if he was guarding him in the first place? or guarding the the garden in the first place? Those are some questions we don't know the answer to, but they're things that we have to consider when we think about uh, the sin that was committed here. But ultimately, they both sinned. They both deserve to be removed from the garden. And uh, it's, it's when I read this passage, um, I can sit and blame them for this, but it, it, what bothers me the most is I see myself there too. Um, I'm just as capable as being deceived mm-hmm. or blindly saying, sure, I'll do that. You know, yeah, here you go. You know, yeah. it, it, you don't have, you don't, Adam doesn't get a lot of credit here. of, Hey, here, eat this. Okay. You know, like, didn't he question it? Um, yeah. So uh, um, I see the sadness of my own sin when I read this passage, and mm-hmm. and I can think, oh boy, they—if I'd have been there, well, if I'd have been there, it—I be, it, it, know it would have been day eight. I would have already sinned by then. Um, <laughs> so I don't know um, that I should find as much fault in them as I should be heartbroken over my own sin at that point.
0: That's a good explanation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we have another question for you, Dwayne. Um, of course, as you just, sh- as you just said, uh, we experience temptation and are certainly prone to cave to it, to sin. We are prone to disobey God. I mean, not a day goes by. Um, how, what practical steps can we take to see past the pleasures of sin when we are tempted?
1: Um, the short answer is we think about the long term. Okay. That's easier to say than do. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to think, I tend to think, I'll, I'll speak as, for myself here, not everybody. I tend to think of what gets me through the day as opposed to what's the ramification of this 20 years from now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, does it matter that I eat this donut and I eat two donuts today? Would that you know How would that impact me from 20 years from now? Um, it, it depends on the donut, by the way, but um, it, it, Jesus already mentioned this. So how do we think long-term? Well, it begins with, with Bible intake, Scripture memory, yes. knowing what Scripture says. That's why daily Bible reading, daily Bible study is so important because temptations come every day. Our intake of Scripture needs to be every day because once we take in Scripture, then we can recognize truth and deception. Um, our we can't trust ourselves. We, I can't trust myself to know the difference between truth and deception. So I need a, another standard. So the Bible helps me do that. And so by taking in scripture daily, then I have that that compass that helps me. I also can ask God for help. Um, we tend to be reactive at this point and not proactive. The Lord's Prayer, uh, we are told, lead me not into temptation. The idea there is that temptation hadn't happened yet. So pray <laughs> beforehand. A lot of yes. times we pray, oh God, I, please forgive me. And and he wants us to pray for forgiveness. But if we'd have prayed, God, help me today to avoid temptation, to recognize it and then avoid it, we may not have been having to pray, God, please forgive me.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, we can be a little more proactive in our prayer life. Praying that way also makes us a little more aware. So it ties to, that idea of recognizing it, which also ties to scripture, because praying scripture is so important. At that point, we can, you know, we're told in the New Testament to flee it and to be accountable with friends. Um, those are certainly other pieces of it. Uh, things we can do. We're gonna, you know, who's gonna hold us accountable? Those type of things. And if we do those things, then it helps us get to what I began with, which is looking long-term because we have trade-offs. Here's the advantage of today, but here's the advantage of long-term. Here's what scripture tells me is going to be the long-term advantage. Then I can focus on that long-term and not that short-term, quick pleasure I get from that temptation. And I will say this too. The, The appeal of sin is that there is, pleasure for a little bit of time and so many times we we paint the idea that you're going to feel guilty the moment you commit a sin and that may Mm -hmm. not be true you may feel guilty later and that later could be an hour could be months from then and so when we have to be careful as teachers when we paint that kind of picture knowing that um, guilt we don't determine when guilt hits somebody we know it right. will, we just don't know when. And so there's folks who can live in sin and be happy, quote unquote, happy, but not happy internally. And right. so we have to think about that ourselves as well. Um, because we, we get the false narrative. We're deceived by thinking that, well, I, I did this, 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 whatever this sin was and nothing happened. So I'm okay. And that's a false narrative. That's a deception. When uh, we, we start believing that, that narrative is when we start getting in trouble.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That was a good That was a, a good way to understand that. So in verse 24, uh, the scripture says, He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming wh- whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Why did God place the cherubim at the entrance to the garden? Gia, can you talk about that?
2: So verse 22 says... That god needed to drive adam and eve out of the garden to protect them from eating of the tree of life and living forever Um, and so we need to remember that in the beginning of genesis two of the trees are named so we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which adam and eve have already eaten of though they were committed not to and they gained knowledge of, of good and evil and there's also the tree of life and the tree of life allows them to live forever well because they have already eaten of the other tree and they are now in a sinful state if they eat of this tree they will live forever but in a sinful state in a sinful condition and god doesn't want that right god doesn't want us to live forever in our sinful condition um and so it says that god drove them out of the garden um and uh, we also need to remember that well I should say that, you know, he doesn't want us to, them to live that way because he's good, right? And he, he he wants to give them grace. So he drives them out of the garden and puts a cherubim at the entrance as an act of grace to protect them from eating the tree. So they're not even tempted to eat the tree. He could have just left them to chance and been like, it's 50-50 chance whether they eat of this or not, and you're on your own, but he gives grace and he's good. And he doesn't even mm-hmm. allow them to have that temptation, but God is also just. Right. Um, and he has to drive them out and put this cherubim to protect the garden because they need to now um, go through the consequences for their actions and their sin um, because they did disobey. And there are consequences to sin. And so this is also a way that um, they are needing to live out these consequences. And God is now going to put into motion, you know, his plan of redemption um, that he knew he'd have to put in place from the very beginning, which is sending his son, um, who will now, um, you know, put in that plan of salvation um, for the sin that um, was done in the garden.
0: Yep. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, So each week we highlight something in the leader guide just to kind of bring some attention to it. And um, today I'd like to bring your attention to pack item number two. It is a poster. uh, So it's not a handout. Sometimes we discuss handouts that you can make copies of and give to your group members. Uh, But this is a poster and it's an outline of the first 19 chapters of Genesis. So it just gives an overview of what's happening now and then what's to come. Uh, That might be a Good uh, visual to bring your group's attention to, maybe at the beginning of your of your group time this week, just to kind of show where you are and then what is coming in coming weeks um, in the next in the next chapters of Genesis. From time to time on the podcast, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family. Uh, that could be the Leader Pack, the Adult Commentary, or Quick Source, just to name a few. You can find out more about all of the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. Gia and Dwayne, thank you both for being here and for just sharing um, some valuable, helpful insight. Yeah, thanks, Amber. It's really fun.
1: Well, thank you for allowing us to be here again.
0: Uh, next week, we'll be discussing Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Bob Bunn will be our guest host. He is an editor on our Explore the Bible team and always uh, interesting and has good things to say. We hope you'll join us.